This is the Neurosurgery Podcast. Welcome back to the Neurosurgery Podcast. I am here live with JP in lovely Las Vegas, my favorite city in the world. We are joined by a friend of the podcast, Mike Steinmetz, who really really doesn't need an introduction, but uh, Mike is the chair at Cleveland Clinic, a longtime friend, uh, master spine surgeon. Uh, Mike, welcome back. Hey, thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. This is great. It was yeah. great last time, and I appreciate the opportunity again. Now, I'm going to apologize to our listeners. I'm going to rant a little bit on this one because what you do is so important. I think it's so, I don't want to say undervalued, but non-observed maybe is the right word for it. Uh, tell us about, a little about yourself, just to remind our audience, and then what we're going to talk about today, which is the CSNS. Sure, yeah. So I, you know, again, I, I chair neurosurgery at Cleveland Clinic. I've been there now, wow, going on 20, probably my 25th year uh, is so, uh, and as you mentioned, as as do primarily spine surgery, but I've been very involved in organized medicine, organized neurosurgery, and you know, have a strong interest in socioeconomics, right? And for whatever reason, I don't know why, but just fell into it as a resident. And uh, and I agree. I think it's somewhat of a of a of a uh, undervalued aspect of neurosurgery, what we can do, what we bring to the table, um, and uh, having a voice in that area. And I think that's really some of the importance of the CSNS, right? The Council of State Neurosurgical Societies. Yeah. Tell us about that. What is it? What's it made up of? What's the structure? Sure. Yeah. It's 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 an organization um, that really serves as a grassroots foundation for everything socioeconomics and beyond. Okay. So it was really set up in a time when um, neurosurgeons in states really needed a voice, like around Medicare when Medicare was coming on, or other state-related issues. And the, and the neurosurgeons in these various states really didn't have a voice. Yeah. Right? And just if I stop you there, a lot of people don't know this. Medical care is regulated largely by state, whether it's the insurers, the cross blue shield of every state is different, our licensures by state, every state has different laws, right? So it has to be that level. It's not all national, right? That's exactly right. That's exactly right. And and, and all politics are local, right? And so like what we what you face in Florida is not what I face in Ohio. And so how do you manage that from an overall organization like the AANS or the state is hard, right? They're looking at a big global focus. And so what the CSNS does is allow state societies, and not, not every state has one, some, some situations where there's multiple states form one bigger society and some don't have any, but they form their own neurosurgical society. They have issues, they have problems, they may have malpractice issues, they may have uh, payer policy issues that are local to them. And what the CSNS does then is allow those state societies to have a voice, right? So the state societies elect delegates, right? And um, the delegates then come uh, to the CSNS meeting with their issues, right? They should have already met as a state, discuss what is going on, uh, and bring those issues to the bigger uh, council meeting. And how it works, it's really a parliamentary process. So everything gets put in the form of a resolution, right? And so um, the resolution can list, uh, you know, the issues that are there and, and typically ask for an action, right? And and. The action is often through the WNS, through the CNS, through the Washington Committee, but the ask can be to do something to advocate for them and for their states. But those resolutions <coughs> get debated on the floor. Um, many pass because they're an excellent resolution, some don't, right? But it is, it is, a, it is a democratic process, parliamentary, but it's democratic. So it's voted, it's debated, uh, but if passed, then that uh, resolution then is taken for action, right? And, and action may be education, right? It may be we need to educate our state on 
certain payer policies and maybe a white paper comes out. It may be that we need to ask the Washington committee to advocate on our behalf for, again, I'm just picking on payer policy, a payer policy issue. We can't get this th- this procedure done. Patients don't have access to it for it. So if it passes, that gets taken to the parent organizations for action. And, and it works, right? The parent organizations, AAAS and CNS, typically take that very seriously uh, and work on behalf of the states. So I always like to say it's grassroots. It's the way we as regular practicing neurosurgeons who are facing issues locally can then bring that up to a global standpoint and then try to get action done on it. Yeah, and I, I think <coughs> I'd, I'd like to dive in specifically about your time running the shop with the CSS, but before we do that, listening to you talk about it as a grassroots, there's the upward flow of complaints, requests, issues that the surgeons bring to the group writ large, but is there a downflow as well at the meetings? Are, are there ever times where the parent organizations or people thinking more big picture federal level, um, trying to move chess pieces around maybe, so to speak, have an ask that goes downward back to the local effectors in the community, if you will? Yes. Um, well, certainly from the certainly from like the bigger organizations down to the CSNS. So oftentimes things are discussed at the ANS level, the Washington level, the CNS level, and they're like, "Look, that's perfect for the council, right? You can yeah. the, the council is is also made up of a variety of committees focusing on things like workforce, communication, things like that. And so they could say, "Look, this is perfect. We need to understand like how many employed neurosurgeons exist in." Nevada, as an example, since we're in Vegas, right? And that's a, they'd say, look, that's perfect. We need that information to do something. The workforce committee at CSNS can do that. So it can come down to them. They can then do that work and produce that work product, as an example. Now, the challenge we have with this organization is, is exactly what you said, is a lot of the information comes up to the council for action. But what we need to have a better job is sort of getting information back out to the state societies and members outside of that. And that has always been a little bit of the challenge of the organization is this sort of what you would call bi-directional communication, yeah. right? So it's, it's often unidirectional. Um, the, but the idea is how can we be more effective at that sort of giving that back to the state societies, to their members, et cetera. And so I think that's a little bit of work in progress. But over the years, that has really gotten a lot, lot better. Well, I would think that with the explosion of information technology and communications technology in the past 20 years, that's a very solvable problem. And thinking not just about gathering information and things like the employment or workforce, but let's say the parent organizations and the big picture neurosurgical community in this country agrees on a new clinical objective. Well, how do you actually achieve that at the actual level of a doctor seeing a patient as Dr. Wang said, that's going to be a completely different environment and ballpark yeah. in every state, depending on your laws, your policies, et cetera. So it seems like this organization would be a great outlet for here's a clinical goal that we have or here's a new practice standard. How do you actually get it done in your own state? Yeah. And you could distribute it through this network, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think, and I think that happens, right? Yeah. And I think that happens now. It's sort of getting it back up, get something done, and then get back to the group. And a lot of that's done through their own state societies. Right. But those are the members. That's who makes up the CSNS, right? Those are the people. So, Mike, give us a, a, a concrete example of something that is an action that was taken that was proactive and helped neurosurgeons writ large, right? It happens every day, I know, there. Yeah. But CSNS action, this actually mattered. Yeah, I mean, I think a, I think a lot of the concrete issues that have occurred um, that, that really impact people are payer policy decisions, right? So, like, in Washington State, something gets decided on... ACDF, right? Now, all of a sudden, a payer's not paying for it, right? And so that can be brought up, discussed, 
you know, work product. Now, a lot of that also, we're here, we're here at the spine section meeting, a lot of that payer policy work is also done through the spine section, but there's so much crossover with CSNS and, and say, spine section and other sections. But then that can then uh, uh, get get discussed, maybe resolutions passed, people do a lot of work, investigation, write white papers, uh, maybe meet with the insurance companies and then try to get that payer policy overturned. And that impacts all the surgeons in the state. Yeah, so now if we could, I'd like to dive in specifically with your time at the helm, which, you know, t talking about neurosurgeons in different states having issues, I, I think during your tenure uh, running the show, we, we all faced an incredibly big and new and novel issue that you know, we never thought that we'd face in our careers, right? So when were you running the show and uh, how did it go? Sure, yeah, so I, I <laughs> yeah, very great question. So I, I chaired CSNS uh, 2019 to 2021. and Great time to practice Yeah, medicine, great time right? to do this, right? And I, I sort of um, spent a lot of time in that organization ever since I was even a resident. So I, I sort of moved up the ranks and got in the officer roles. And I finally, you know, got to the to the helm. I was like, great, now, now I can, you know, do something. And I think I'm the, I can honestly say I'm the only chair of the organization I think to ever uh, uh, really host in person one CSNS meeting. We typically have two a year, so you would do you know four meetings uh, on your own, and and I got to do one I think, and uh, and that was it because we shut down because of COVID. Right. Now, what's interesting about the CSNS, it's it's it relies on that in person aspect, right? This is a parliamentary process, right? So resolutions are turned in, um, they're presented. There's open debate at the microphone, which can be extensive. Um, the resolutions then are worked uh, afterwards at night. Uh, there's a committee that gets together, they reword it, they do whatever action from the debate is. Then the next day they get debated again, and then we do a final vote. So that really relies on a lot of interpersonal uh, uh, interactions there. And we had to just sh shut it down, obviously, but we couldn't shut down what we, the work we were doing that was still important. Uh, and so we had to pivot to a, uh, pivot to a virtual meeting. Uh, and again, what's challenging there is it's 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 think about it, it's like really how are you going to herd these cats? Like it's not like a didactic. Let's just put on a bunch of lectures, which we do very effectively uh, in COVID. We had to figure out how can we effectively have open discourse and debate, almost like you were had a line and behind a microphone. Like how are you going to orderly mm -hmm. get people to line up virtually? You know, say their piece and then and then move on. Um, and uh, I think the first meeting we probably struggled a little bit with it, um, but by the time we got to the to, towards the end, I think it was pretty effective. But it was a tough time. It was really a tough time. But we continue to meet and, and get and get the work done. Yeah, and that's the great irony because at the very time that you need this organization, when surgeons in every state are, are facing shutdowns and lockdowns, yeah. and and my practice is closing and need help, yeah. the very means that you have to hear them and and come up with a solution is is taken from you. So. Um, it, aside from the technical execution of your meetings, what was it like in the early days of COVID when you were the person that all the states came to? Yeah, I mean, I think we were all facing the same problem. I can't remember the specifics of some of the resolution, but if you remember the things that were hitting us was, you know, lack of PPE, um, issues around um, uh, access to safety at work, right? That's a, that's a big deal uh, uh, with the CSN. There's a lot of safety issues. Uh, obviously, um, issues around like video conferencing with patients or video visits, you know, and government interaction with that, that obviously opened up over time, right? But those were a lot of those early issues that people were bringing up, yeah. you know, during that time. Okay, now I'm gonna rant a little bit because, and I'm not gonna take a lot of time, but I can tell you in the last 12 months, there have been two incidences at our University of Miami Grand Rounds where a speaker got up and made a comment along the lines of, spine just gets paid more. And, you know, we can argue how 
things are valued and what work effort is, you know, and, and, and how much malpractice factors there are and whose practice is more painful, et cetera, et cetera. But these were neurosurgeons. And so my, I pushed back. I said, hold on a second. I dispute that tremendously on a lot of levels. But also, if you have a beef with this, why don't you represent properly in the venues and halls instead of just bitching and moaning all the time, right? Exactly. Because I'm, I'm guessing, Michael, how much, how much time in hours have you spent as a volunteer, as a chair of Cleveland Clinic, to go represent neurosurgeons writ large? And there's no compensation. There's no accolades. How many hours do you think? Like how many oh thousands? Oh, my gosh, thousands. Yeah, I have been – I've thought about this recently. I have been involved in, in some form of representation of our – our membership ourselves yeah. since I've been a chief resident. And we're not counting like giving talks no. and going to dinners. We're talking about this stuff. That's policy. right. Policy, committee work. Um, absolutely. That's thousands of hours. And not part of your job at Cleveland Clinic, which you're paid for. Zero part of that. Yeah. We, we put so many, and you, you both are the exact same. So we all are in this thing together, but we, we put countless hours in behind the scenes trying to make what we do better. Uh, improve patient access, uh, which obviously then impacts us in, in, in other ways, but we're really in it to, to let patients get the kind of care that they need, right? When they need it, where they need it. That's that's the big change here. But making sure we're protected. We all have malpractice issues. We also have like superior policy issues. Make sure we're educated, right? Getting, getting education on, in the latest things. And so there's so much countless hours behind the scenes. Yeah. You're right. And we're not, there's no compensation for that at all. The, 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 the and all you get is the bitching, like, oh, you didn't yeah. get us enough. That's exactly right. That's so exactly right. <laughs> I got to tell you, so for all, and, and I'm using a broad brush, yeah. so all the functional pediatric vascular trauma people out there with this kind of mentality, think about giving up all your weekends with your kids and your hobbies and working out and sleeping and doing more cases and making more money to go do this um, really yeoman's work it's service oriented, right? Yeah. And 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 people were like, "Oh, why are you saying that?" I'm like, "Because you don't seem to care." Yeah, yeah, yeah. You just want it without trying to put that work into it. It seems well. like yeah. it's mostly spine surgeons and generalists. Yeah. I mean, I, I know there's yeah. some that are not, but yeah. most. Why is that? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it's not because we're greedy. Because you're not doing this to make money for yourself. No, absolutely not. Yeah, yeah. I definitely am not. You know what I mean? I, I don't. I don't know why that is. That's, that's a, that's but a that's great the question. impression, right? The impression yeah. is, oh, spine is paid so well. Yeah, yeah. And it's not. It is not. It is not. It's certainly not compared to a lot of our other, you know, specialists. A now. Brain tumors yeah. pay just as much as spine, and, and for sure, for sure. And now, when you look at us being hospital employed, right now, now that our, co- you know, the the thing is, you know, about spine surgery is we cost a lot. Right, and so you know when you look at the the reimbursement's great, but you factor out the cost, which now being hospital employees, which is a bigger deal for us now, right? We're not just getting this on our pro side. Yeah, we're probably not the, you know earning the most money anymore within a hospital if you if you sort of factor out the cost aspect. Yeah, but it's still viewed that way. It's viewed that yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. Our and colleagues say that all the time. I don't understand. Yeah, that. it's a stigma that came press is in the past. It was true, right? But it's I don't think it's true today, at all. Well, I, mean, I don't think we get beyond the stigma. It's just, I just think it came on. That's how we've been labeled. And I mean, if you maintained. want to pick the people that have the best RVU calculus, it's probably a novascular. Could be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? They're yeah. the ones that, that, that have that. They're yeah. like the new spine. Yeah, but, but, a, but a craniotomy for a brain tumor, that's a, that's a, a pretty significant... Uh, yeah, was it like 40 RVUs? Yeah, or or every, I don't know the exact number, but it's high. It's yeah, high. and it, it doesn't necessarily be, have to take a long time. No, but it may be one of the best, if you're looking at just RVU standpoint, one of the highest. Yeah. It's open craniotomy. So tumor. interesting. I know, but we're yeah. still... 
we're still viewed as the uh, you're just you're just the money generators. You know what I mean? Just get out of our way. You know, it could be it's a it's a it's a reflection of their they're projecting because yeah. they want us to make money for them. Yeah, and so now they're projecting that back <laughs> on, to us, right? It could be. Yeah, it could be. Power of suggestion. Power of suggestion well, could be. At, at the risk of uh, at the risk of prompting a kids these days conversation, and with the caveat that <laughs> kids still, these days. still I think I can still say that yeah. I am a kid these days. Yeah. Maybe I'm. Yeah. I'm barely barely holding on but hearing you talk about those countless hours over so many years where as you just said you're not getting reimbursed for this at all um the the obvious simple question is why do it but uh, beyond that there is a growing undercurrent which has become an overcurrent in uh the medical community writ large these days, not just within neurosurgery, but we were talking a little bit about this before we started the episode with, you know, people in medical school don't want to work as much, they want to be more protected. Another strain of these conversations that's mostly happening online by a very vocal but small minority of people in medicine these days, I would say is... And they're probably not listening to the podcast. Oh, they're not listening yeah. to us. It takes so, too much time. Yeah, yeah. Don't, don't worry, I'll find them. Um, but... There's this line of thinking now that anything that is not reimbursed or compensated shouldn't be done, and it's corporate abuse of the physicians, and we're all in this slave mentality. Reviewing articles for journals is the most controversial thing these days to these people because, oh, well, you're doing free labor for some publication company? Um, So maybe take a moment to talk about why you have spent decades of your life doing this work that you're not getting paid for, but obviously is rewarding to you and your colleagues and, and why we do all of these. Why do we write papers? Why do we review papers? Why do we go to meetings and give talks? It, it's not just vainglorious pursuit of ego, right? Cause like who, who cares? You can go be a surgeon and you're like God to someone, yeah. but why actually have you spent so many years doing this and you're not getting paid? That's a great question. Now, and I love what you said too about it's a term that I hear as a chair all the time: uncompensated time. Right. I'd never heard that five years ago. Yeah. Right? Compensated for the university, you mean? Yeah. Well, just anything. Like, okay, yeah. I have to do this, but that's uncompensated time. Right. Like that whole concept, right? Of like, I need to be paid for anything you're asking me to do. Funny, you never heard of that since yeah. you're just a money grubbing spine. Yeah, exactly right. right. But the, you but, get paid so much that you yeah. don't even think about it. Yeah. It's hilarious to me though that the most non-capitalistic people are using these terms yeah. as if everything like is fungible with yeah. your efforts. Exactly. Right? Exactly. Right. Yeah. Exactly. But you're you're absolutely right. I, I think we need to be fearful of this because. Um, we all lose control over this. Like, so why do I do it? I, I think it's to make everything we do better, right? I feel like we have been given um, an honor, a gift to be neurosurgeons. I honestly feel that way, right? We take, we, we do some amazing things for people. Uh, we are able to train, you know, folks to go out and do the same thing. Um, so we owe it back to our society, right? To make all of ourselves better, right? We need to do things better. Um, we need to write the best science, right? We need to continue to innovate. And if we don't do it, Who's going to do it, right? Someone may do it for us, maybe chat GPT, I don't know. But, <laughs> but I think, you know, if, if we don't put those hours in, I think we're failing ourselves, right? Like we're, we're not going to be leading innovation. We're not going to be leading medicine. Um, we're going to fall apart as a, as a spine society or a neurosurgical society. And so um, um, I do it for that. I do it because I view like I'm giving back for the gifts that I've been given. And I find joy in that. I find joy in if I've helped plan a meeting, how well that meeting was. You know, what, what did we present? What did people learn from that? 
Um, and along those lines, by the way, congratulations. You're the scientific program chair for the WNS meeting coming up. Thanks, shortly. Mike. Yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, coming up uh, in May. Yeah, I'm very excited about it. Uh, yeah. You know, Tony's theme of what matters, he's put together wonderful plenary. We've got the scientific program pretty well set here. In, Chicago. Uh, it's in Chicago. In beautiful yeah. Chicago. Yes. Yeah, it's going to be great. A lot of the Chicago theme will be in the meeting. Um, it's it's uh, it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. There's going to be a wiffle ball tournament. Did you guys see that with NREF? Um, like a wiffle ball batting tournament. Oh, you're going down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah sign yeah. me up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's going to be a blast. It's going to be fun. There'll be a lot of Chicago theme. The the program looks great. Um, but, they, but that's the joy. Like, you know, what it, I've spent hundreds of hours with other people putting this thing together. Yeah, we get paid for this. this is nights and weekends. I got like two conference calls every week for this. But the joy is, I think, looking at that final product and the impact it's going to have on those folks attending the meeting. And I think that's that's what does it for me. Yeah. And there is some personal hubris in that. You know what I mean? Like, But but it's not about ego or payment or anything. It's it's about this, the joy of giving back to the society that's given a lot to me. How 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 do you how do you manage that, or how is it viewed? What's the perception from your wife Bettina's side? Like, yeah. so my wife is she's hilarious. She goes she goes oh that's your hobby. Yeah, yeah. Like some people build chips and bottles, but you yeah. you just want to talk to Mike Steinmetz yeah. about you know reimbursement or legal issues. Yeah. What does Bettina say to you? Well, I mean, I think it's a, it's a it's a give and take. I think she uh, is is proud of it. Um, I think she thinks it's it's also good, but on the other side. There's that pull against the family, you know, what yeah. I mean? which we all face, right? It's like you're taking two nights out, you know, when it's dinner time to go in these conference calls. Like, you know, when's enough enough, so to say, right? That I think that's the struggle with this uncompensated time is that the 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 loss of compensation is your family, mm. uh, and that's what makes it really challenging. Can I tell you something super annoying to me? Yeah. So when our kids are going to school, and you know, you like, you know, there's a drop off yeah. line, a pickup line, all yeah, that yeah, bullshit, yeah, right? Yeah. Nobody walks to school or anything. Yeah. Um, and you see the dads, and this is this is what gets me. All those lawyers that do the billable hours, they drive their kids to school, and then they go into work at 10 a.m. and all yeah. this bullshit, right? Yeah. And, and there is this thing that happened recently in our own department where there's a neurosurgeon who said, and he was not a millennial either, who said, well, I'm going to take my kids to school. Okay. I'm like, okay, so when exactly do you propose your OR start? Yeah. He goes, 9.45. I said, okay, so... Wow. You want the nurses to come at 7.30, anesthesia to be there at 6.30, and then they're going to wait like three hours till you show your ass up, right? Wow. Or are you just never going to get a first start? Yeah, 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 exactly. Which would you like? He goes, no, yeah. I'm going to do first start, but it's going to be 9.45. I'm like, you realize that you're on the shoulders of giants. People before you built a system that works, yeah. and you're actually deconstructing that system yeah, right, right, for right. your own selfish purposes. Right. Now, you think you're being a good father, and that's kudos to you. Yeah. But the reality is this system exists for a reason. Yeah, yeah, 7.30 yeah. start time. Yeah. It's not unique in your hospital. Yeah. Now, what's unique about what you just brought up is you could say, like, you could, it's all, life is give and take, right? Like, I could realize, okay, fine, I'll just never have a first start because I, I really... And he wasn't going to give that yeah, up. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I, like, I really want to take my kids to school, which is fantastic. Because he's right? got to pick them up at 3.30. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's <laughs> the problem. It's like, you know, you, you've got to sort of give and take. You're right. You can't... You know, the OR is the most expensive real estate in the opera, in the in the hospital. Hundred dollars a minute. Yeah, you can't just sit yeah. idle. Yeah, it's interesting. It's it's um, we're seeing changes in right, neither good nor bad. And it's interesting you said that person's not a millennial, but I think that that these kind of lifestyle decisions we're going to start seeing more and more and more. You know, pushing. Forward. But this is the problem. I think that people don't realize. Like, I think what I'm hearing from you, Mike, and and JP has it. Is this concept that time is not flat? That you're yeah. looking at the past, you're looking at the present and the future, and so. 
if you look at the consequence of, of your actions or words, what are the future elements that are going to happen yeah. if everybody does this? And yeah, yeah. The, the, end, the end result is it will be a devolution of... Yeah. It, it could be improvements of some things, but it's certainly untested. Yeah, yeah, right, right. It's a so, lot of, it takes, certainly takes a lot of risk, yeah. So if you dislike yeah. the concept of being uh, adored by society, elevated to the highest level, being able to do the right thing, save lives, and make something like close to a million dollars a year, if you want to disrupt the fabric of that... yeah. Perfect scenario. Yeah. Go ahead, but yeah. leave me out of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to be in a different country. Then. Yeah, yeah, right, right, right. No, I, I'm, I'm with you. I mean, I think there's decisions that we make in life um, that impact us very positively and very negatively. And, and unfortunately, neurosurgery is a is a field that we dedicate a lot of our life to, and it, it does eat into some of these things. Um, and uh, and I think you kind of know that going in. And, and I'm not I'm not saying that that's neither good nor bad. But this is this is the job we chose. Well, I always tell people yeah. when Tom Brady had to play in the Super Bowl, but Giselle wanted to do like a date night. Yeah, she's going to have to table that for right now. Exactly right. Right. Yeah, yeah. Or you can not have a husband that played in a Super Bowl or an NFL. Yeah, exactly. And you look at those people going out on a field and getting beat to death right. and they're making some money but yeah. they work on average two years or something yeah exactly like that. right yeah and they'll sacrifice everything for everything that. everything yeah but we get everything yeah 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 and yeah. so why would anybody pipe up yeah and try to disrupt that if just take a look at your physiatry colleagues yeah. you want that yeah is that what you're looking for yeah maybe. otherwise you're resting on the, the goodwill of mike steinitz yeah yeah it's interesting that's a, that's that's a great way to look at it i don't know and it's interesting they brought it up in public I mean, it is, it's such an interesting thing going on now. I mean, JP, I know you're going to do another recording related to this. I'm, so, I'm now sad. It's probably good I'm not going to be present. I'm just going to go nuts. You're going to go off. I'm yeah. going to go off. Fire yeah. away. Oh, my God. Yeah. Well, <laughs> how do you, well, how do you, so you're in the cadre, right? You're yeah. in a residency, and you have a diversity of opinions on any number of things, right? Like yeah. travel or call or whatever, everything about life. Yeah. How do you guys work it out? Um. We have a great group and a great culture at Rush, and we suck it up, Buttercup. Essentially, <laughs> that's, suck that's, it up, Buttercup. That, yeah, I don't yeah, think I like those it. words have ever been spoken at yeah. Rush. That's you know some different words may have been yeah. used, but the the idea behind that, which is starkly lacking in many people of the current young generation, and uh, isn't really taught in school anymore, and I guess parents aren't uh, teaching that yeah. ethos anymore. But yeah, suck it up, Buttercup, and actually. Here's something I do frequently say to the juniors. I just say the door's right there. Yeah. Which is not to say get out your fire, but which is to say we're all choosing to be here yeah. and choosing to do this. Sure, we're getting paid, whatever, blah, blah, the hours are long. Great. You competed like a maniac yeah. for the opportunity to work 100 hours a week and not sleep and miss meals and et cetera, et cetera. Like there were a thousand people that wanted your job. So yeah. the door's right there. You don't have to stay. You can always leave. And again, thankfully, because we have a good group at Rush, the response is always, yeah, okay. And then we just keep working. Well, I have to say in Miami, I've been in Miami now 16 going on 17 years. And 201, although there's variation and not everybody's perfect and there's always stories about this guy and that guy and this gal and that gal. But I have been very impressed. I've never run into any inkling that people were not – really doing a, a very upstanding job. Some people are more limited physically or mentally or whatever or emotionally, but they all to a one have, I, I, I hear stories, but I've never encountered it in my career. Now, I'm sure that will come to an end at some point, but Mike, what do you guys do at Cleveland Clinic? You got a big shop. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's the same. It, it's interesting. You, you, you kind of have little pieces of it and all that, but I think you're, I think what JP said best, like we, we know this life we're getting into and you're, you're bringing into your program people that know that as well. And so 
for the most part, I agree with you, Mike. We don't really face a lot of those issues of not wanting to do this, not wanting to do that, you know, or don't want to work the long hours. I think it's just because that's who's bred as a neurosurgeon to come in. But we get inklings of it, right? Like, you know, the I think the buzzword nowadays, well, that's not educational. Like, <laughs> I, you know, I don't, I don't, I can't do this because there's no educational value in it. And I, and I always say, look, you walk out these doors in graduation, you don't have all these resources around you and you need to do this, you know, discharge summaries, right? They're not educational, but it's part of the job. But so they you can need be to educational. They, they can, can be, be highly yeah. educational. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I see, I see little inklings of it, but I agree as our group, like your group, I think we, we bring in great people. They want to work hard. They work long hours. They don't complain. But I think we see inklings of what, what you were saying, you know, what, what we're seeing in newer generations. In and other specialties. Other sure. specialties for sure. Yeah. And, and to some extent in other specialties, the tail wags a dog, right? There's a lot of power in residents now and voices, especially around issues around training programs, right? You get enough people complaining, you're now cited, you get enough citations, you're now on probation. And so there's a lot of tail wagging the dog and I think a lot of programs because of that. Yeah. You know well, what I mean? Right? Like yeah. there's, there's a lot of fear on the program side to say, you know, we can't afford to have, you know, citations or people saying thing or we could get put on probation. And what's interesting that I look at with that from a resident standpoint is, do you know what happens to you and your rep, your reputation if your program goes right. on probation? Yeah. Like, this is crazy. You know, why would you even think about You're it? You're from a shitty family now. Yeah, yeah, exactly yeah. right. Yeah. yeah. So it's, but I, but I, but I think we see inklings of it, but I, but I, I think it's who you bring in. It's the culture you have. You guys have a great culture. We have a great culture. And I think it breeds, you know, great people. Well, thinking about the trainees and the coming generations, um, you know, this this quality that we all share in this room right now about the willingness to do uncompensated labor, <laughs> um, that is, I don't think that, I think that's on the list of unteachable traits, right? Yeah, like yeah. that's honesty, timeliness, yeah. work ethic, yeah. the, the willingness to do these things for your community, for your comrades, yeah. uh, for your family, for yourself. Your parents taught you that, or no one can. Yeah. But speaking to what I think is a large, large, large portion of neurosurgical trainees right now who want to get involved um, in organizations like the CSNS, uh, you started as a chief resident, as mm -hmm. you said. Yeah. Uh, currently, there, there's a fellowship for residents who can get involved. Can you speak a bit to the trainees that might want to join, contribute, and give some of their uncompensated labor to the cause. Yeah, that's right. You're going to have to have uncompensated time here for this, but it's, but it's very educational, but very, edu it's so <laughs> meaningful. Like I think, I think it, 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 when you look at trying to get involved in organizations like WNS, CNS, ISS, whatever, pick, pick any of them. It's hard to get a foothold in during your early years, resident years, especially, right? You maybe get involved this, that the CSNS, for a resident, if you become a resident fellow, it's instant access to organized medicine, right? And it, it is a stepping ladder up into other organizations. So if you look at people that have moved up, even from the fellow ranks to officer roles, they often go up into the ANS, the CNS, other organizations as key members of them. So it's, it's, a, it's a learning ground um, for leadership development, which I like to say. But it's an opportunity to have a meaningful impact, right? So one thing to be on a scientific planning committee for a meeting with 40 other people in there and you're just sitting there and not doing anything, contributing. If you're a fellow, you have a voice and you're learning how to use that voice. You have a mentor. Uh, they're helping you through committee work. Um, you're producing work product that has meaning. You're producing resolutions that have meaning and all of that you're learning through this. Uh, and then most of those fellows come out and then go on to bigger and better things or stay with the CSNS. So I think it, there is no other organization 
as a resident where you can do that in organized neurosurgical or spine that I know of. And how, how does one volunteer? There's a website. Do they reach out to yeah. you? Who do they go to? There's a website and there's an application, um, which is fairly simple. JB, you, 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 you filled that out before. Yes. It's very simple. Um, and uh, you have, you know, some, some letters of support. Uh, and it's typically d- decisions made uh, in the quadrants. So the, the CSNS breaks themselves up into a set of quadrants, four quadrants. Um, each quadrant uh, has, th- I want to say three fellows. I, I, got, I got to look at this right now. Um, but they review all these applications. And the numbers have been astronomical now. I think when we started this fellowship aspect of it, you know, there were just a few people applying for this. Now it's become highly competitive. Um, but they review um, all of the applications and then they vote as a quad uh, and then choose who their fellows are going to be. And what are the other volunteer opportunities besides that? That's one avenue, right? So that's one avenue. You can come and participate as a resident all you want. Uh, you can do almost everything the fellow can do, um, but you're not a voting member, all right? So you can participate in discussion, but when a final vote comes for a resolution, you cannot vote. Uh, it's called like a non-delegate non-fellow category or something like that. So you can, as a resident, you can easily be involved as much as you want. You and you're meeting vote. precedes the double ANS and CNS? Precedes, yeah, precedes both of them. It, of them. The, yeah. It's like the Thursday before or something like that usually? It's, yeah, yeah, exactly right. Usually the usually the, uh, usually the the Friday, Saturday, so it's a Friday, Saturday. Okay, yeah. yeah. So folks that are interested, you know, we are always recruiting for the most capable people. There's no shortage of work. Uh, it's all. a labor of love, yeah. uh, but it is truly amazing, and you learn so much by working with people like Mike Steinmetz. Absolutely. It's uncompensated time, but it is educational time, so <laughs> yeah, it's well worth it. I, 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 um, I've, uh, I've owe a lot of what I've done in, in my life, and even as a chair, to what I learned in the CSNS, so it's super, super helpful. It's, a, it's an undervalued part of what we do. We think about the technical expertise we learn doing endoscopic spine surgery, these sort of things. We don't focus enough on the socioeconomics of keeps us going as a specialty, keeps patient access going. And so we have to train more people in the socioeconomics. And the CSNS is that training ground. Okay, so just to wrap up, I want to hear your favorite Ron Burgundy quote, and then I want to hear the most amazing fish you ever caught. What was the most valued in your mind? Oh, my God. Okay, um, um, I got to think about it. There's so many Ron Burgundy quotes. I got to, I got to just go. But so the, my most favorite fish, you guys are Flor- Floridians, my most favorite fish ever uh, was uh, the very first, and you, this was on the last podcast we did, was my very first tarpon the I tarpon. caught on fly. Um, I, and I, I think we talked about it some then, but um, I had to fish yearly for like five years with no, no catches. I had wow. a few bites, you know, had a few fish follow, and it was, oh, it was five years it took me to finally hit that fish and land it. And uh, it was amazing. It was amazing. Few things I've cried for in my life, Children being born, <laughs> married, my marriage. Um, when I caught that fish, I gotta be honest, I had a tear coming down my eye. I had a tear coming down my eye. Yeah, yeah. Oh my God, yeah, so awesome. Um, but uh, favorite, oh, I, I, you put me on the spot on that one. I was gonna just write a little shake and bake, but, uh, <laughs> or it could be uh, when, it could be right at the end when um, um, they go shake and bake and he goes, nope, not in, no longer, not anymore. <laughs> He goes, you're now the ma- or magic man, and, and, uh, and uh, I'm El Diablo. I like that one. Yeah. <laughs> that's great. Yeah, that's yeah, great. Yeah. What is El Diablo? It's, it's like a fighting chicken. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So, anyway. Well, thank you so much for coming back on the show. I mean, if you want to talk about the value of these meetings, getting to do this face-to-face, as our listeners always hear me rant about, 
so much better. You know, the yeah. conversations online and, and over the phone are, are wonderful, but you just don't get the chemistry and, and the conversation like this. So, Dr. Simons, thank you so much for coming. Thank back you on guys. The show. Thank you guys so much for having me. And I totally agree with that. The first time I did this was virtual, and uh, this is so much easier and better in person. So, thank you both for hosting me. I appreciate it. Disclaimer time. The opinions and ideas expressed in this show are solely those of myself, Dr. Wang, and our guests. They do not represent the opinions of any professional institution or organization. This show is for entertainment purposes only and does not constitute the giving of medical or legal advice. Listening to or participating in this show does not constitute continuing medical education or any other professional certification. It's just a show, everybody.